0: what you know about human psychology and understanding why people would care shouldn't be incongruent with how you show up in your voice.
1: We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we want freedom. We want to be in control of our own schedule, income and life. But unfortunately, that isn't always the reality of being a business owner. I'm Gillian Perkins, and I'm on a mission to take back entrepreneurship for what it's supposed to be. In every episode, I'll share with you how to get the most out of every hour you work so that you can work less and earn more. Let's get to it. Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to the show today. I am joined by Margot Aaron, who is a writer at That Seems Important and also teaches sales and marketing strategies. I am so excited to have her here today because I've been reading her newsletter and watching her show Hillary and Margot yell at websites for the last year or so and I've just been loving everything she puts out. So I really wanted to pick her brain about how she manages to be so much herself and so authentic while still being such a Persuasive copywriter. So, hey there, Margot, and welcome to the show. Thanks
0: for having me. It's great to be here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Could you start out by just telling us a little bit more about yourself and the work that you do? And I hear there's a book in the works.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I arrived here by accident. So I started my career as a psychological
2: researcher. <laughs> like you
1: arrived on the show on accident. <laughs> just <laughs> stumbling around the internet, just found, found me. my way here. Okay, let's talk. <laughs> I was like, hello. Let me in. No,
0: well, really, I found myself um, in a psychological research lab where we had to reach people to help them. Uh, We were offering free treatment for depression and anxiety. And at the time, I didn't know that what I was doing was copywriting. I didn't know what I was doing with sales. And had I known then what I know now, I could have helped a lot more people. And I understood then that there was a disconnect between what people want and how they respond to information. And often, um, it's the skills of copywriting and sales and marketing that allow you to persuade people to act in their own best interest. And so I was fascinated with this question of, how do you get people to care? Um, And so that's sort of what led me, catapulted me out of graduate school. And I was like, I got to learn more about this copywriting and marketing thing. (laughs) And here we are
1: yeah that oh man i feel like so many people don't even realize what you were just talking about there how copywriting and these like marketing skills they're not just about selling okay they're about selling ideas not just selling things not just making money like i use my marketing skills with my kids all the time (laughs) time. (laughs) because and with my husband and you know whenever there is something important that you need to share with someone yeah you need to use these marketing and copywriting skills and people are using them whether they know them or not. 100%. I mean, just
0: the act of being able to meet people where they are versus where you would like them to be, that in and of itself was such a revolutionary thought to me because like at the time, you know, as an academic, you think that sales and marketing is below you, right? It's uncouth. You know, you shouldn't have to ask people for money. That's so below us, right? And so you have this superiority complex and then on top of it, with no respect for the discipline, you don't realize that we were trying to reach people, for example, have depression. And if you have depression, never in your life are you gonna respond to someone going, do you feel sad, low? down. I mean, it's condescending, right? It's so condescending. And that's what all, that's all we are writing. And it never occurred to us that maybe our approach was offensive. And maybe there was a better way in. And so like the heart of marketing and sales, good marketing and sales, effective marketing and sales is empathy. It's connection. And so if you understand that piece, then persuasion just that happens naturally from just being able to care enough about someone to help them understand.
1: So to give an example of what you mean by that, with your depression study that you were working on, how did you change what you were saying to these people? Yeah, I mean, I didn't because I left. So we weren't able. But looking
0: back now, I mean, I easily would have changed absolutely the copy, but also the, the tonality and the, the approach, like if you think of the context, like sometimes people overfocus on copy. I'll give you some examples of copy that would have worked. But like, we were putting up flyers in a busy location. So if you actually have depression, we weren't considering like the stigma of mental health. So one, imagine you would be in a public place, probably not. Two, you would feel comfortable going up to a flyer. Three, pulling a tab in front of everyone else. Like those are all these things that we didn't consider at all because we weren't considering the person. And then as far as copy, you know, a a better approach might have been like, like, Th- putting ourselves in that person's shoes. So if you're feeling lethargic, if you're feeling apathy, if you're feeling like you don't know what's wrong, um, if you're feeling like if one more person asks you what's wrong, you're going to punch them in the face, like that would have been a good opener. Do you feel like you might punch someone in the face if they ask you what's wrong one more time? <laughs> like that would have been a more effective headline. Or or um, did you know there are 12 proven, like what are, goodness, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to come up with coffee on the spot and it's not working. <laughs> um, but, but there are other approaches using a more empathetic approach um, of considering, like who is this person? Talk to them mm-hmm. like a person, not like an automaton, not like a robot. And you will open up ways of connecting with them.
1: Do you think that has to start with a conversation with them to understand oh, them better? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it,
0: it depends on your familiarity with the market, but the best copy doesn't come from your imagination. It comes from talking to people.
1: Despite what you might think if you're a writer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So as I mentioned earlier, I've been reading your emails, your blog, for like the last year. And something that really stands out to me about everything that you write is how just unapologetically yourself you seem to be. And so I'm wondering if you have some sort of method that ensures or maybe at least like increases the odds that the content and products you create are going to meet the demands of the market or is it just blind luck? You just make what you wanna make and you hope that people like it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Let me tell you, i made a lot of things that I hoped people liked that they did not. So for what it's worth, um, I, it's a you know it's a matter of getting the reps in. I think you learn trial by fire, and um, you get humbled by the market because I've put out so many things where I'm like, this is awesome, everyone's gonna want it, and it's like crickets all. And so um, I think that there's there's a healthy balance, right? I think we're let's back up here because first of all, thank you. Um, it's a huge compliment. I work really hard on this, but I think that we have to. Re- to redefine what we mean by being yourself and what it means to be authentic because a lot of us are confused about what it means to be authentic and to use our voice. So we have in this culture defined authenticity as feeling whatever you're feeling in the moment and inappropriately disclosing information about yourself to people when you feel like it. (laughs) And that is not
1: the same And that gets in the way of all of those of us, at least who are introverts and maybe, I don't know, are a little bit self-aware. And then we're thinking, like, I don't want to be authentic if that means just like airing my dirty laundry, essentially, or like telling random facts about myself. Right. That doesn't feel good. Totally,
0: totally. And it's inappropriate and it's disrespectful to your audience. Like your audience is just like anyone else. They're people they're people and there have to be boundaries. So there are topics I absolutely don't talk about because they're personal or they're just not the business of my audience. Or frankly, my audience doesn't really care. Like they don't need to know every tiny detail about my life. And so when you're clear on what your boundaries are and how you want to show up, it's a lot easier to do that and find that balance between what your audience expects um, and how to show up like a human while still being true to yourself. Because, um, so what I was what I was trying to say about authenticity is like we confuse vulnerability with inappropriate disclosure. And so it's not more authentic to show up on this show and be like, you know, what, Elian, I'm really not in the mood and I didn't sleep well last night and I just don't feel like talking right now. Like. That's not professional, right? You show up, you turn pro, you turn it on. Like there's an element of performance that isn't inauthentic. What's inauthentic is when you're lying or purporting to be someone you're not. So what I try really hard to do, and I encourage everyone else here to do, is you can still be yourself. You can still be honest about how you're showing up. You can be introverted. You can be artistic. You can be really into comic books. I mean, whatever it is that are quirks about yourself, you can show that, you can have that show up and not deny that part of yourself. You cannot try and be someone else, right? Those things can exist with your still having boundaries about what you talk about and how you talk about it. And so I think those things are really, really important. And as it pertains to selling though, I think people get really uncomfortable. Like it is, you have to step into a new skin when you sell, that you have to become something different than you are, and that you then have to convince people to want something that they don't necessarily want. Mm-hmm. I it's fundamentally like, disagree
1: I, with that. <laughs> so like <laughs> stepping into your used car salesman persona. Yeah. You know, like I have to stop being me and start being like the salesman person. Yeah, there should be no, ex-
0: there's There's no difference between what you're hearing right now and when I'm trying to sell you something because I am trying to sell you something right now, right? I am selling you on an idea. I'm selling mm-hmm. you on a point of view. I am, se- and like also I, I should uh, argue here um, or put a, what do you call it? pin an asterisk (laughs) on my definition of selling right i believe Uh, marketing and selling is the art and science of getting people to care it's not about mm -hmm. pushing people so so many people are like, how do I make someone buy something? And I'm like, if you're making someone buy something, you're not doing this right. And they won't do it. Because if you've mm-hmm. ever had children, you can't make people do things they don't wanna do. That's not possible. Yeah,
1: <laughs> It's just not possible. The key there, like, want to do. You cannot make people do things they don't want to do. Correct. And so you can't make people buy stuff if they don't want the thing you're buying. And so you really have to start with this like very early pre-step of let's have a conversation about Bingo. do you want this thing? Bingo, so that's where it is. So I'm not showing up. I
0: out of left field being like, by the way, here's a widget that has nothing to do with what we've been talking about for the next last year. Instead, I've been listening to my audience. I talk to them about the same things over and over and over again. They know what they're getting into. So when I do actually sell something, it's on brand, right? It's consistent with what they want. And I line up my wants with their wants, right? So I want them to, for example, I just did a a audio course on Scribd, a marketing masterclass, right? And when I wanted people to buy it, which was my intent. I didn't make a secret of it. I wasn't pretending it was something that it wasn't, right? I'm like, I want you to buy this. Here's why I think you would enjoy it. Here's what you'll get out of it. And here's why I think it's important. Also, here's an easy way to click on it. Here's an easy way to get it. So like using what you know about human psychology and understanding why people would care
1: shouldn't be incongruent with how you show up in your voice so how do you make those decisions about since you're since you're caring about things that you actually care about right and you're talking about things you actually care about do you just decide to write and talk and sell things that you actually care about and again going back to that first question of like and then hope that there's an interest or is there some sort of market research process or some sort or you're running what's your process for deciding
0: yeah um, so I don't have a formal market research process, but I am in constant conversation with my people. I take more of a, mm-hmm. I'm a student of David Ogilvy, so like he and the guys at P&G, like they're always just, talk- I'm just constantly talking to my audience. And so I know them really well. I know what is bothering them. I know what keeps them up at night. I, I know what kind of media they interact with. So i have I've done it. I haven't done it formally in the creation of a product, but in when I am choosing to move forward with something, it is based on what I know they want. Now, this Mm -hmm. is important, not what they need, right? Because what they need is different and what they think they need is different. Um, Mm -hmm. And so being really, really clear that I might have created something they need, but the way I market it to them is in what they want. And so it's understanding that disconnection or that connection that um, makes it more congruent.
1: So let me just first say like this makes so much sense. Having read what you write and then having this question in my mind of like, so where did the decision making happen? Now yeah. I understand that this is this conversation. It is this like give and this take. And so you writing is you having your part of the conversation with your yeah. audience and then you're doing the listening and that is how this decision is being made. Totally. I like to think of it as do you guys watch stand up ever? <laughs> you know comed- I don't watch anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so comedians do this thing where they like they test jokes. They don't know what's going to be funny. They don't just get up there and become funny. And so they they test a joke on different audiences, and they go, oh, that's interesting. They liked that one. That one didn't land. Mm-hmm. And they're really objective about it. It's not a, a reflection on them. That's how I feel about my email list. I put I put information out, and I go, oh, okay, they really like the stuff on Hustle Guild. And then I see something, and I'm like, oh, they like copy. And then I'll do something on philosophy, and I'm like, mm, they don't like that one. Or I'll, I'll do something on, on patriarchy, and I'm like, that didn't land. And, um, and so... <laughs> So you know you're just you're out there testing different things, and it's also interesting to know patterns. Like I make mental notes of okay, this got really high reception but no clicks, or this got lots of clicks but no one emailed me. You know what's that about? And I just use the data to draw conclusions about what I should create. But I should also state I do a lot of things that don't work. I mean, like I will build things. I'm like they'll like this, and I get there and I'm like. They didn't like that. Um, and so, you know, sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes the research is But that's part of misleading. that conversation, right? That's part of that totally. feedback loop? Yeah, yeah. totally. And I, I also like to, one thing I do do formally um, is after I've launched something, I ask people why they didn't buy. And so, that's also really helpful to find out. That's the
1: most dangerous email to send. Every time, because every time I launch something, I do the same thing. I send out at least one email. Hey, I noticed you didn't buy, why not? That email gets more responses than any other email I send. The first time I send it, I had still a relatively small audience I don't know several thousand people on my email list, but yeah. not you know like hundreds of thousands or anything like that. Launched a product, sold 300 units more than I thought. Awesome. Then sent this email: "Why didn't you buy?" Got 400 email responses. <laughs> Normally, I get like three. You know, <laughs> 400 email responses. I was in my inbox for 40 hours that week just trying to answer all these people who had told me why they didn't buy the thing. What did you discover? <laughs> well, they all told me that they didn't have the money for my $29 product. So. <laughs> fascinating so yeah but of course it wasn't about the money it was about like do they think that the thing is going to give them the result that they want is it worth the money to them do they think it's worth the money to them and so like i obviously just realized i needed to work on the way i was explaining what i was selling right because if i'd been offering them a ferrari for 29 dollars, they would have had the money (laughs) did they not understand the benefit was that your takeaway my product was too broad it was it didn't have as like focused enough of uh this is what you will learn this is how it will impact you yeah cool
0: Oh, I love it. I love it was, learning stuff was, like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was great. It was a great learning experience. So then going back to you and your writing, yeah. what you explained about this constant conversation, this feedback loop that you're having yeah. and that being your decision-making process, that makes so much sense to me now because it makes it helps me understand why you seem so authentic, I think. Because you are being you're being an authentic listener it is an authentic conversation you don't have this like underlying motivation of secretly i'm trying to get them to buy x next year so now i'm going to start this conversation and i'm going to like forcibly guide them that way it's a feedback loop correct and and it just yeah it gives you the most authentic vibes (laughs) So thank you. And I honestly I don't believe in secrets.
0: Like I want everyone who follows me to buy my book when it's ready. Like I am not going to be like I we we have a relationship and and the crazy thing is they want to read it, right? So the the mm-hmm. thing is the the tran we get what's the word? Transactional gets a really bad rap when people are like, it's a transaction. It's really bad. And I'm like, it's a transactional relationship. But I say
1: works. that. And then I'm like, it has a negative
0: connotation, but it's what it does. I mean.
1: Context matters.
0: Context matters. Mm-hmm. So you can say transactional to mean something like two dimensional, but it's also a transaction where like we both benefit. Like I want yes. you to buy my book. A win-win I want- transaction. Totally. And I want to hear your ideas. I want to know like what's going on with you. And I want to write this for you. I also, the other piece about authenticity that I don't think people are really, or like on having a voice that. I think we need to talk more about is I also do a lot of things wrong and don't care because I've learned the rules. And so I look at it and I go, okay, I know how to copyright this, I know how to clickbait this, I know how to make this into content that is evergreen. I also don't care and I wanna tell the story about this thing. And I'm gonna see how it lands and I'm gonna t- talk to my audience like they're human beings. And sometimes I'm gonna do I'm gonna do something really long, sometimes I'm gonna do really short. Like I I put myself and my desires into it a little bit more than I think is allowed. Um, because you have to have a little bit of fun if you don't like this is the marketing juju piece that comes out in writing if you are not enjoying what you're doing like people can tell when they're being duped your audience is not dumb right like they they might be fooled once or twice but by the third time they're like this person is coming off as like too perfect too inauthentic too like poised and polished and like some of it is going to be polished like I don't want people to see me just out of the shower like that's that's inappropriate but like or so we're a different that's our only fans but but the point is like I think that it's okay to enjoy what you do and it's okay to infuse some things just because you like them
1: so good so good so it kind of leads There's me to my next question which is do you filter yourself and if so yes by what criteria yes I filter a lot I filter a lot
0: because I have been writing or publishing in public for the better part of a decade, and so I have definitely fallen for every, like, I need to write about this. I'm a bleeding heart, and I'm going to make a difference, and then I've watched the trolls come in, or I've watched how my well-intended piece was misunderstood, right, or how it didn't actually have the impact it needed to have, and so I'm really... Really tailored about what I will share and what I won't share and how I share it. So, if I, there's certain, let me say it differently, there's certain hills I will die on. Absolutely. I am not afraid of a tough conversation, but there's certain ones where I'm like, this isn't worth it. And I think everyone has their own lines for what that is. And I know where I can make inroads. And so I will avoid certain topics directly because mm-hmm. I know that. I would rather have those conversations one-on-one. And when you poke the beast, they go a little crazy. And you also, I I avoid certain types of language. Like I avoid shaming. Like sometimes I get really snarky and angry and I'll start shaming in my pieces. And so I'll go back and edit and I'll just take out all the shame. Um, Mm -hmm. Or I'll get really preachy. My, and so, like, I take out the preachiness and I'm like, Margo, what are you trying to say? Frickin' say it directly. Like, Like, use your copy skills. Or, like, when I'm hedging and I'm, like, dancing around the thing I want to say, like, I filter that a lot where I'm like, Margo, one line can explain this. Say what you mean in one mm-hmm. line. So, there's a lot of interrogating my pieces before I publish them to make sure that, if I am going to be misunderstood it's not on me. Like that's your that's you, bro. Um, and that like I'm clear about what I'm doing with the piece and what I want it to do. Like is this a piece that I want to um, sell? Is this a piece that I want to be shared? Is this a piece that I want it to be responded to? Is this a piece that I just need validation for my ego this week because I'm feeling low. Like be honest about what you're doing. There's no shame in knowing what you're doing, but like I think the piece that feels inauthentic is when people are like, "No, I'm all about my listeners. It's all about them. It doesn't matter." And it's like, "Girl, you want validation. Like this is a validation-seeking email. Like own it. You want validation? Go get those likes. But like you wearing a bikini talking about lemons is not because you just are about female empowerment, you know? Like there's just there's more going on." <laughs>
1: Two things there that you said that are like rules that I, rules? I don't know, (laughs) systems that I use when I do my writing that I find really helpful as well is one like asking yourself, what am I really trying to say here? I do that constantly when I'm over explaining things, saying things three times in a row to like get at some nuance. Well, what am I really trying to say here? That question is so helpful. Um, And then the other thing is like you're talking about, you know, do I, is this a hill I'm going to die on? I think like there's probably a little distinction there that needs to be made between like, there are hills I will die on, but topics I will not touch. Yes, yes, you know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, I would say that's a, a big category. Yeah. <laughs> Controversial opinions I have that I do not talk about because I don't want to argue about that on the internet. Thank you very much, right? Oh, totally, um, totally.
0: Or like where? So like I don't want to do it on Twitter, but maybe I'll have a conversation with you on email because
1: we're adults. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes and we can say more words and it needs more words right and
0: no good co- nobody's minds are being changed on twitter y'all let's just be clear here
1: go oh. no, yeah for like those arguments in the facebook groups nobody's minds are being changed really step out really. get out it's like the opposite of preaching to the choir yeah. when you're just <laughs> arguing with people who disagree with you you're not going to get anywhere. You have to start. It's like when we're trying to sell something, right? And yeah. they don't want it, and yeah. we have to start earlier on and, and convince them to want it before we try to sell the thing. Yep. Well, before yep. you try to sell that idea, you have to start so many layers deeper and yep. get at that underlying belief that is causing them to have this, this, you know, uh, this opinion that is different than yours. If, you, yep. if it's an opinion you care about that you think other people, you know, would be beneficial to the world, yeah, if more people understood, right? Yeah, <laughs> thousand percent.
2: The episode you're currently listening to was originally offered as a live stream inside Startup Society, our training program for digital entrepreneurs. Each week in the program, Gillian teaches a live workshop for startup members, including a teaching segment like what you're listening to right now, a tutorial segment that demonstrates how to take action on the lesson, and an open Q&A period where Gillian and guest experts work directly with each member. Members also get access to Startup Society's library of business training courses, monthly co-working sessions, and other events, and our private community forum. If you're looking for affordable business training, mentorship and accountability, then visit StartupSociety.com forward slash podcast to learn more about the program and apply to join. Now, here's Gillian with the rest of today's episode.
1: Okay, so... Here, so here's a question I get all the time, which or, or a statement that gets thrown at me all the time, maybe, which is I talk on the internet, right? I, I make videos, I write, I send emails, and people say, well, that's great for you because you're interesting, you're pretty, you're young, something like this. Yeah, so people yeah. listen to you, but I'm not naturally interesting. I am, and or I'm not attractive. Yeah. This, that, the other thing, right? Yeah. Um, do you think that everyone has the the luxury of being naturally interesting if they are just themselves, if they talk about what they want to talk, or is that a luxury that some people have and other people don't? If everyone has it, obviously they don't all feel like it, right? So how yeah. could they tap into that better?
0: Yeah. Ugh, it's such a, that question breaks my heart, but I, I get it a lot too. Um. Well, I think we need to start with what you want. Because I I think a lot of people think they want to be in the online thought leadership space, and they don't actually want it. Um, so let's start with, you don't have to be a thought leader if you don't want to. And if there's another way I, I, that feels authentic to on you, that. So if, like, I have, I have a few friends, for example, that they were trying to do the online business thing. They were trying to put themselves front and center and they were like, I hate this. I am a SaaS person. I want to be behind the scenes. I don't like being in front of the camera. It is not resistance. It's just not where I like to be. Whereas I literally was born being like, pay attention, people. Hello. Like, I'm an attention whore. Like, I was born that way. So, like, there, I I think there's something to that dispositional piece that's important that you pay attention to who you are inside and where that where that is. That said, you do not have to be an attention whore to be good at this. And I want to like lay that myth to rest that there are so many ways to be online. And here's why. When you go out into the world and you look at your audiences, they are made up of lots of people. There is not one version of a woman, there is not one version of a man, there's not one version of white or black or Asian, or like all these different types of ways in which we show up in the world. We need representation. And so if the way you show up is full of tattoo sleeves, if it's cursing like a sailor, if it is super shy, but you feel called to use your voice, then that voice is more than enough. It is more than enough, and the like. Learning the performance piece, I think, is part of it. I think that's Mm an uncomfortable piece that we all have to to kind of learn. But it doesn't have to mean like super energetic the way maybe I come off, right? It can Mm -hmm. also mean simply being articulate, right? Not saying um. Um, being able to show up, like you don't have to learn how to do your makeup, but you do have to learn to feel comfortable in showing up without makeup, right? Like mm-hmm. These are all things you have to, so I want to parse out kind of the invisible scripts. Like Is it, is it that you just don't want to do this and you feel like you should? So let's lay that to rest. Is it that you feel like you have to be a certain way if you do want to do it? That I don't agree with. I don't think you need to be a certain way. I think the only prerequisite you need is to take yourself seriously enough. And to recognize that there is someone who looks, thinks, feels like you that is waiting for you to show up and talk. That's the truth.
1: So basically you're saying like you do need to learn the performance piece, at least to some extent, if you want to perform and to have people's attention. But you don't have to include a stereotype in your performance. 100%. You don't have to fit a stereotype.
0: 100%. And by the way, it doesn't work. Like it works for like a little bit. It works a little bit because you can trick an algorithm, right? But in the Mm -hmm. end, like, people aren't going to keep watching you (laughs) because you're boring, right? Being, being like two dimensional
1: and boring is not interesting. So, going back to that question, is everyone, does everyone have the potential to be interesting if they want to be? I think everyone is interesting. I think everyone, I don't think it's about potential. I think. We have a very Well, narrow... potential to be interesting to others, right? Like if you have your interestingness and you're over here and no one is interested, then that's why I say potential, right? Well, they... People haven't found you yet. I
0: mean, it depends. It's so subjective because like I am not interested in cars or comic books and I know so many people who are. And if they mm-hmm. talk to me about it, I'm going to be like, that's not interesting. And that doesn't mean there's not a market for it. So mm-hmm. um, so like if you're, your topic is different than you personally or your story or your voice. And what someone finds interesting varies on the, the audience. There are plenty mm-hmm. of people who don't find me interesting and they think oh, I'm yeah. annoying, right? Like there's, that is, I'm married to one of them, right? Like there's just so many people. Um, <laughs> so you have to find your people.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And let's go back to that thing you said earlier, which is like, you don't have to be a thought leader if you don't want to be. Oh, you don't have to have, you don't have to be a public speaker. You don't have to be the face of your brand, no. but, can you for all the people who are like but how you know like I want to have a successful online business and the way they see other people doing it is by being like me you know and like putting my face on everything yeah, so yeah. what what are their alternatives
0: create a brand name it there's a reason my website's not MargoAaron.com it's thatseemsimportant.com I didn't want it to be about me I mean it is now but um <laughs> I I have created a brand around my wanting to be an author Right, Like that is about me, that's different. So if you are selling products or services and you stand for something, then let it be about the products and services. Let it be about the mission. It doesn't have to be about you. I think this is where a lot of people get tripped tripped up as well when they are like, start with why you know they misunderstand that because they're like what is my why and they go down to like an existential spiral of like I don't know I care about family but I want to save the whales and but also poverty and like AIDS and like they just they lose it and so um, I think you have to come back to center and go okay what do I want my platform to do because this isn't about who you are personally right this is Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're either creating a public persona or you're creating a platform for a reason, right? Like, this goes back to what we were saying earlier about how you authentically show up um, in your voice, like in writing, so, so much of it is knowing what is your intent with this. So like, it took me, a, I mean, for what it's worth, y'all, if you're listening, it took me a really long time to realize like half the time I was writing to myself. and like I and, and like, I felt like such a failed marketer because marketers are all about like, it's for the people, it's not about you. It's for the people. And I was like, actually, I think my writing is to me. And and like the people who want to follow can follow, and and everyone has a different approach. Some people want to do that in like a diary format. Some people want to do it in a thought leadership format. Like there are different ways, but you have to be honest about what you're doing, why you're showing up in this way. So if you don't want to be a thought leader, but you still want a business, oh my God, look outside of online business. There are so many examples. You don't know the the person who is the founder of uh, uh, Pandora or the founder of REI, or the founder of, well, we do kind of know the founders of Google, but that's not because (laughs) they want to be found. But like there's so many businesses where it has nothing to do with the founder story. This is a new thing mm-hmm. that we're doing, right? So you can build a business. Let it be about the business. If anything, sometimes the transactional nature of it makes it, and this is the other use of transactional, makes it a lot easier because your your identity is not wrapped up in the success or failure of it. And you can actually be a better CEO when your identity is not wrapped up. Like it allows for objectivity mm-hmm. that I promise you I do not have.
1: Yes, yes, you can get like, so, like psych yourself out with you know your identity being tied to your brand it's a constant struggle <laughs> one it's that so i would hard. prefer to avoid <laughs> but <laughs> but really can't hard. because because yes i write and it's for me and it's for other people too and so it's just like this is just the the way i'm made the way i do things <laughs> it's the way i can do things so so let's let's think thinking about you know everything you've just shared someone who's just starting out they do want to maybe be something of a thought leader or have a personal brand or at least be personally involved with their brand like be known yeah but they're just starting out so they haven't had this conversation yet and this is a question i get all the time like how do i have this conversation with people how do i listen to my audience when When there's no audience yet (laughs) so then they feel like they're caught between two bad options either they can look at what other people are doing that is working. And they yeah. can just copy, 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 and be like, "Look, they posted that on Instagram and it got twenty-seven thousand likes. I'll post something similar, right? Yeah. Or like that video did really well in their YouTube channel. I'll make the same video. Or they can just sh- make if whatever they want to make, but they're completely shooting in the dark. Most of their things are failing because nobody's listening to them yet, anyway. So yeah. there's not, you know, there's not that like catalyst that they need yeah. to, you know, be able to send something to an email list and see how it lands. Um, so they just have no idea what. Will resonate and they don't know how to start getting that traction what's your best advice for someone when they they don't have that audience to listen to yes
0: keep going <laughs> keep going so we just did an episode actually on is it you or is it the market and how do you know and the truth is like in the beginning you don't like you honestly don't you're guessing so like I think anyone who tries to give you a system is trying to sell you something that doesn't work because <laughs> in the beginning like you are shooting blanks in the dark and you just keep putting it out there until you start seeing something that bites. And even then, it might be misleading. Like, I know that I had certain pieces that went well, and then I was like, I don't like this audience. <laughs> like, this is not my people. Same, um, same. And, and it was really misleading, because I was like, this is getting really positive reception in the market, but like, I don't want to write about this stuff. This is bad. And so, so like, allow yourself to be in the driver's seat, right? Like you're allowed to uh, have the right of refusal. But I think in the beginning, you really are testing. You're testing your tone. You're testing your topics. You're testing different approaches. You're testing what um, category you're gonna fit in. Your positioning. I think you need a, you do need a, like a general idea, right? Like if you're talking about health and wellness versus you know landscaping, right? Like you need a general idea, like what category you fit in. But even then, like I would, I'm talking on both sides of my mouth because like I really did, I started in marketing, but like if you read a lot of my stuff, I mean it is very staunchly in personal growth. Right, like I am very clearly talking about those things, um, and was was in denial of it in the beginning, and it took me a while to even see the pattern. Um, but uh, there, I, I think I think it's in Austin Kleon's book. Uh, steal like an artist I can't remember if it's that mm-hmm. one or the second book but he said one of the gifts is anonymity in the beginning
1: oh I completely agree I tell ever in this like I teach people how to grow on YouTube for example mm. and I tell your greatest gift at the beginning is anonymity <laughs> it's because so you're gonna like your first videos are not going to be good and so yeah. many people are so worried about that you yeah. know like what if I'm awkward on camera what if I say the wrong thing you know my videos aren't very good nobody's gonna watch them and yeah. it's great <laughs> yeah
0: it is and I'll tell everyone listening like honestly, having a small audience, I think, is so much worse because it feels like all eyes are on you. Like once you get into the Mm. bigger numbers, which I still don't have a giant audience, but at least I feel I feel like a good kind of anonymous because I'm like, oh, it's a crowd now. (laughs) It's a crowd when it was like, you know, your first hundred people. You're just like, they're all watching. They all know me. You know their names. You've seen them a lot on online and it feels like they're all watching you. Um, There's some there was something kind of freeing getting to to bigger Mm -hmm. numbers because then it's like, okay. all right now this oh, that's is like interesting. The I
1: didn't act I really didn't have that experience very much when when I had a hundred followers yeah uh, they were the most uninteractive. Is that a the word? Oh, so they did not interact with me. I had no idea who they were. Like, I saw their <laughs> names on my email list. I was sending them emails. Crickets. Complete crickets. Like, no response whatsoever. Probably because I was, like, very much failing. They didn't care what I was talking about. But, yeah, yeah it, it took getting to a couple thousand followers on yeah. any given platform before I started getting responses and getting that feedback.
0: Yeah. Oh, so I felt completely anonymous. I love yeah. that. This is so interesting. That's so interesting. I wonder, too, if I I made the mistake, don't do this, y'all. I had lots of friends and family on my list and that'll fuck you up. Like, you, they are I not, not your market.
1: <laughs> I didn't tell anyone what I was doing. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Listen to Gilly, Gilly. It was a different problem though because I was much more likely to give up kind of for the opposite reason of it just seemed like nothing was landing. No one yeah. p- cared about what I was saying. Like yeah. I had hundreds of people on my email list and none of them cared at all. Yeah. You know, just yeah. because like it does, it's only a small percentage of people respond to what you put out there. Yeah, You know, the conversion rate is low, typically. And so, yeah, it just took me getting to a couple thousand before that like percentage meant that yeah. it was actually a significant number of people. Yeah. So uh, let's shift gears for a minute, and could you tell us a little bit about your book? Sure.
0: <laughs> so um, right now, I have been writing about how we have misplaced values. There seems to be a disconnect between what we purport to care about and how we behave. And so a lot of this comes from um, the work I did in copywriting because so much of copywriting is getting underneath what people say to what they believe and um, learning how to like hear what's behind their words. Like what do they actually want? What are they actually interested in? And so it um, started to illuminate what i saw as a really big societal problem where you know we'll claim we want happiness but the way we live our life is antithetical to what creates happiness and then we judge ourselves and so i'm i'm trying to spotlight a little lot of my copy lessons (laughs) um into this systemic problem because it's all in general what you what the conclusion you get to is that there is a epidemic of people who don't feel good enough. And this is what I saw at the core of my work in marketing and part of why I ended up in personal growth is that I kept getting I ran a marketing consultancy and I kept getting phone calls from people being like, "Hey, I have a marketing problem." And I'd be like, "Great." And we'd sit down, we'd talk and I'm like, "This isn't a marketing problem. This is a self-doubt problem." And the more calls I kept getting, the more I realized that like tactics are googleable. Like all of the problems a lot of people had in their marketing, like they didn't need me to fix what they needed was therapy or what they needed was someone to talk them through <laughs> why they were OK um, mm-hmm. and why, like, you can be yourself in public or you do a lot of the stuff we've been talking about here. And so I became fascinated with this question of, like, why is there this disconnect that we feel like we need to be something we're not and, and that we're walking around into lives of quiet desperation in the best time in human history? And so that's what the book is exploring
1: that sounds very interesting and (laughs) i can really relate to what you were saying there about like running a marketing agency and people saying they have a marketing problem and you're like you need therapy (laughs) i ran a a music studio for about 10 years and like taught piano lessons (sighs) and I was teaching piano lessons, but really what was happening was some low-key therapy and they needed more of it, right, yeah. from someone who actually knew what they were doing. <laughs> and and now, like then teaching people marketing and teaching people entrepreneurship and people come to me to ask, you know, how do I start a business? Yeah. And then we get into, you know, what business do you want to start? What's stopping you from starting it? And you don't need lessons on business, you need therapy. Yeah. And I don't say that to be above that at all. I do too. Right Oh I, I'm a big ev- fan every of the struggle.
0: I say it yeah, in a I run into. Big most positive way. I mean it in the yeah. sense of like getting to know yourself and and mm-hmm. what the, and like uncovering what this is really about because a lot of times i'd be like i don't i don't think what you need is fans i think you don't love yourself and like you're looking for something that you're not going to find here and so that that to me was deeply troubling <laughs> because you can't start a business or let alone a life off of that like that is so it was so heartbreaking to me to watch really good smart talented creative people find themselves in this mental pickle of, of emotional distress that felt like it was manufactured by society that should know better. And so that is a lot of what I focus my work on now.
1: Well, I cannot wait to see that book, read that book when it comes out. I'm sure, do you have a date when it will be out? Oh, God, no. <laughs> Hard question. Two years ago, I don't know, when I have time. Yeah,
0: um, hopefully we'll have a draft by the end of the year, so we'll see
1: great well we'll be looking forward to that so margot thank you so much for everything you've shared with us today this has been awesome really enjoyed our conversation one of the one of the things that brought me or uh, that attracted me to you let's put it that way um and kept me reading your writing was something that i also noticed with seth godin's writing and that was this like well more this question of like why is this so interesting to me why is it so attractive to me without like there isn't any big persuasive pitch here there's not some big like you have a problem i'm gonna solve your problem for you so follow me or buy my thing right it was so subtle and yet so attractive and that was really what i wanted to talk to you about today and you answered that question so well and it sounds like you know the biggest thing is really continually creating right continually writing so that you can start the feedback loop and then listening really well to the feedback that you get from it and and I think that that's something that we can all learn from right and we can all work on doing that more because so often either we don't create because we think well no one's gonna pay attention I don't have an audience or people won't like this so we just stop ourselves from creating in the first place right or we create and we are we have the creative idea and we ha- we know where it's going yeah. too soon, yeah. <laughs> and so we're trying to sell something, so we start making stuff now. Maybe people pay attention, maybe they don't. But we're charging forward regardless of that feedback. We're not listening. Totally, totally.
0: And I would just add to that, like, don't you can't force anything. You know, like ha- if you if you come from a posture of respect. Of like there's a human being who's reading my copy right it's not an audience it's not a market it's a person and i don't need to convince you of anything right like there's nothing mm-hmm. that i need to do to make you like me because that's not going to work all i can do is tell you what i stand for and if you're on board you'll come with me um and like coming from that vantage it gets a lot easier and it takes the stakes down i think because it's, it's a lot of pressure when you're like i must make this convert right now and like let's say like we're gonna do that on a sales page, but a sales page is different than a website and it's different than your connection pieces. And I'll, and I'll add to that, I think the more we can think about the long game instead of the short one, the better. So if you are in this for the long game, if you know you're gonna be writing weekly for the next five years, then you have plenty of time. Like you'll you will get plenty there. of
1: time, it's, it's true. <laughs> and you know, earlier I mentioned like marketing, copywriting tactics used on my children or my husband. <laughs> They're people too, right? And so I think this should be said about my husband and my children, but it really goes for everyone. Yeah. It's not about trying to convince them that you're right. It is about starting the conversation and clearly stating and clearly explaining your point of view and then listening to their point of view. Yes. And and working together to figure out the truth. <laughs>
0: yes. That's exactly right. That's exactly and, right. And
1: again, it goes for my husband, goes for my kids, but goes for anyone else who you're talking to. You're you're in non your audience online who you don't know that well. While, you know starting that conversation copywriting uh, improves everything across the board all right go ahead. <laughs> absolutely it's like a life skill i think yeah
2: thanks for listening to this episode of work less earn more before we wrap this up listen into to this question a startup society member asked during the live stream
1: before we wrap this up we do have a question from a startup society member that i wanted to get to yes so this question comes in from lydia huang and she wrote and said Since my native language is not English, I'm planning to hire a copywriter to help me craft my story, product description, and sales page on the website. I was wondering if it's okay to hire a copywriter before having a website, and do you have any tips on hiring the right copywriter to attract the right target audience?
0: Yes, Um, so a couple things. One, absolutely fine to hire a copywriter, but I would give it a stab first. I would say the biggest risk In hiring a writer before you've done it, is that you don't know what's good or bad, and you don't know what you're trying to say, and then you become a really difficult client, (laughs) Um, or you set the person up for failure. So, I actually think non native American, sorry, not native English speakers have an Mm -hmm. advantage in copy. I can tell you from when I learned, I was a Spanish minor, my Spanish is not good, but um, I was so much clearer in my Spanish than in my English because I didn't have the uh, language. So I just said exactly what I meant and mostly did it just in present tense because I was really bad and conditional. But like the point is, um, I think there's some sort, of, there is an advantage to you being really clear and in copy, clear beats clever, every single day of the week. Like your goal is to be understood, not to be pretty, not to be clever, not to be flowery. So I think um, as long as you're clear on what you want to say and what the meat of it is, I think you're fine in hiring someone. But I would be careful if you've not tried your hand at it or if you're not sure or if you think that the writer is going to like spitball with you or you're going to make them responsible for your tone and your voice. It's a dangerous, slippery slope, um, especially mm-hmm. if it's in the very beginning where if you're getting a low price point copywriter, which means probably a beginner, it can be really hard. It can be really hard. So, so my recommendation would be to um, give it a hand yourself or at least get your bullet points like what do I sell? Who do I sell it to? What do I need this website to do? What pages are on it? Like at least give yourself that much of a framework um, and then you can you can decide what you wanna do from there. Because some of it, I believe, listen, you wrote the question and the question was, believe it or not, copywritten. Everything is copy. You made it clear, I understood what you were asking, I knew what you meant, and I was able to give you a response. So you just engaged in copywriting. So I don't believe that you can't do it.
1: Mm-hmm. And Lydia, like you have clearly plenty of English skills to write that question yeah. that you wrote and it was perfectly well written you know, perfectly understandable, as Margot said. Um, and so, yeah, I couldn't agree more, Margot. Just like hiring a copywriter when you're first starting on when you don't know what you're trying to say uh, is just That's like so a dangerous. recipe for failure, really, and a, a recipe for wasting money, in my experience. Yeah, same. Well, thank you so much, Margo. This has been fantastic. It has been so great to have you on the show. And before, I keep saying before we wrap this up, (laughs) where can people find you if they want to uh, consume more of what you create? Absolutely. Get on my email list. I am at
0: thatseemsimportant.com. You can hit the tab that says newsletter and sign up. I'll give you updates. And for those of you interested in copy, I have an Akimbo workshop called The Copy Workshop coming up. So we can do that together. Um, You can also find me on YouTube at Hillary. And Margo yell at websites, Hamya, where every other week my co host Hillary and I yell about internet marketing. So <laughs> please join us.
1: Awesome. Thank you again so much. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, that is everything for today. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. If you found this episode helpful and you would like to participate live in future recording sessions, then be sure to visit StartupSociety.com slash podcast to learn more about all the benefits of membership and apply to join. And finally, it would be a big help if you left Work Less, Earn More, a review on Apple Podcasts. Not only will this help us reach more people, but it's also going to give you the chance to potentially win a 12-month membership to Startup Society. All you need to do to enter is post your review on Apple Podcasts, then email a screenshot to contact at gillianperkins.com. Thanks again so much for listening. Now let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins, and until next week, stay focused and take action.